Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Carrie Sisk. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Tracy Mooney. Today on the podcast, we're talking about setting goals and organizing your life to accommodate your passions. First, in our Around the Quilt Frame segment, Tracy speaks with our super organized guest, Stephanie Palmer of The Quilter's Planner and how she works her goals and plans into her life and how she invites others to do the same. Then Vivica Hansen-Denegri, Editorial Director of Quilting Arts and Quilting Arts TV, is with us to talk about QuiltCon and the 100 Days Project. Finally, we leave you with an ever-controversial topic in our Fine Finishes segment that we've dubbed Pressing Matters. You'll want to stick around for that one. Today's episode is called Resolution Refresh. Since we're well into March, we may need to revisit the quilting resolutions that we made at the beginning of the year and solidify a plan on how to reach the goals we've set for ourselves. So I thought to start, we could each take a couple of minutes to describe our our quilty resolutions for 2019 in a few words and how they're coming along. And I thought I'd start because I don't make them. And it would be really quick to describe (laughs) my quilty resolution. That's good, Carrie. Yeah. (laughs) I will explain, though, why I don't make them. And I don't make them because I found that, as with just regular New Year's resolutions, if you don't live up to your resolution, at least for me, I'm very hard on myself about it. And then instead of it being a good thing, it becomes a bad thing. And so I've learned somewhere along the way that to suit my own personality, I just don't set myself up for potential or possible failure. And that way I'm successful year-round. <laughs> I understand. Do you understand? I get it. I, on the other hand, uh, do resolutions. And for the past five years, my quilty resolution has been to finish pigs. And pigs is what I call things that I haven't finished. It's an acronym that st- stands for Projects in Grocery Sacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm down to the point now that I only have maybe 10 or 12, and unfortunately, they're all 10 or 12 of them big projects. Well, that's because you've done all the small ones. I've done all the little ones. (laughs) And I saw you posting about them on Facebook, I believe. So you, during your vacation time over the holidays, was that pre-2019? It was. Oh, it no. was in between no. Christmas and New Year's. Nope, and count. then it doesn't Well, it count. counts for 2018. It, yeah, that's why I had to hurt. <laughs> Did you just get a little upset there? That's that doesn't why I count. Had to <laughs> I was trying to get a bunch done for 2018. Okay, okay. All right. So I that's see. That's what it was. I see. Okay. <laughs> so pigs. So so pigs, <laughs> I am down to 10 or 12 of okay. them, but, but honest to goodness, most of them are bed-sized quilts. Yikes. Okay, so is that a regular fixture for your quilty resolutions, a regular annual resolution? It has been for like five years as, as things kind of grow because I have so many projects that I'm doing for work that – I only need a block Mm -hmm. or I only need four blocks, Mm -hmm. but I really don't want something that's just four blocks big. I want a quilt. Yeah. So then it just goes in a sack and needs to be finished later. A grocery sack. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Tracy, what about you? 
So I kind of feel the same way you do about resolutions. I just feel like, you know, sometimes, especially when you've got kids, life gets in the way, right? Mm -hmm. So um, for the past few years, I've actually chosen words. So I chose a word of the year. So this year, it was an interesting one. Because in 2018, I caught myself referring to other quilters as prolific. And that was my way of describing someone who I admire, who makes a lot of quilts. So for instance, Victoria Findlay Wolf is prolific. Yes. She makes so many quilts and they're all huge. And, and gorgeous. Yeah, and gorgeous. And, you know, and so I caught myself using that word at the end of 2018. And I decided that why couldn't I be prolific? So I put the word in my planner, my quilter's planner, and I put it on the first page so that I see it when I open it up. And I've not put a huge amount of parameters around it other than my plan is to finish all of the daggum quilts that are quilt tops that are sitting on my shelf and some of the projects that I've got. I don't have them in grocery sacks, but I do have them (laughs) in plastic bins. And so as I can, I'm going to be finishing those projects this year. So that's really my resolution. There's not a huge amount of pressure I put on myself to get them done. If I can finish a few of those this year, I will be super happy and I can consider myself prolific. I suppose I could assign myself a word, too, that's more about, like, understanding or being uh, more like Lori. That's my hashtag, be like Lori. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ah, the pressure. (laughs) Man, you're just – your quilty wisdom really – prevails it really does <laughs> it, it does it for her right oh, it's yeah. just crazy you guys you're so easy <laughs> on yourself about it and it's like a really good way to be because what does being hard on yourself about it do true and then you become a really good quilter too at the same time so she's also in a completely different place in her life that's exactly right yes um w- One of the things that interferes with my quilting time is the amount of time I spend on the electronic devices, not my children. Mm -hmm. So it's a real easy choice to put down my electronic devices. You can't put down your children. (laughs) I I guess you could. But then they freak out. (laughs) Hold me. Or no, actually, at this point, my two-year-old, it's hold you, hold you. Oh. Yeah. That's sweet. How can you resist that? You can sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <I> promise. <laughs> All right. Well, those are those are pretty pretty good uh, resolutions. I think I like the pigs, and I like the word, and I think I'm going to do that next time. It, it's fun, and yeah. it's also fun when you forget about the word and you see it halfway through the year, and you've realized it's come true on its right. own without even remembering. Right. Well, and that's kind of what we're doing here today, right? We're talking about resolution refreshes. Yes. So um, we're talking. You know, we're well into March. You know, like mid midway into March, and so it's been a while since we made these resolutions. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have a bit of a reminder. Exactly. Agreed. So our guest today. Stephanie Palmer is also a firm believer in um, organizing, such as, you know, 
you do pigs, right, Lori? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And organizing is kind of, I guess, could be her resolution, right? In some ways. You know, she's a very busy mom, um, and she has a successful uh, planner business. And it stemmed from her desire to organize herself and what she was doing. So mm-hmm. we had a really we're we're going to have a really interesting conversation about how that came about and what kinds of things she works on and and how we can utilize uh, that kind of planning in uh, making our resolutions come true. Okay, great. All right. Well, Tracy sits down with uh, Stephanie for conversation about tracking and planning for success. Mm-hmm. So let's take a listen. So I kind of flip-flop between paper calendars and needing my phone to remind me about, you know, different appointments and such. I'm assuming that you are a paper calendar girl. Actually, I use both. Believe Do it you? Or not. I firmly need both. And I, I'll tell you why. Because I believe that there's nothing better than putting a pen to paper to kind of solidify how I'm choosing to spend my time through the day, but I definitely need to set alarms on my phone. Part of that is because I have a lot of kids and I have a lot of places I have to be at given times. So the alarms help me, you know, make sure that I haven't lost track. So that's how I use both together. Very cool. That's kind of what I do as well. So when you started the Quilters Planner, how exactly did that come about? Did you feel the need in the market or was it a personal need that you had? It started with a personal need because I felt like no planner really fit my needs as a quilter, as a creative, not just a quilter, but I I really love to make and create in all different ways, um, lots of different ways. So I couldn't find anything that fit my needs. And uh, so I started talking to friends who were all quilters and asking them Um, And they agreed that something that allowed you to jot down your designs with graph paper, but also keep track of your appointments and your to-do lists would be really helpful. So that's kind of where I started. I started with a personal need, but then kind of looked at whether I thought the market could use something like this. And and clearly it did, because you've been really successful. How many have you sold? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, this is our fourth year. Um, in our first year, I only printed 3,000 and we sold out. And so I'd say we sold, sell between seven and 10,000 a year now, which is really great. Um, I'm really happy with how much it's grown. I've learned so much and I continue to learn a lot each what's, year. What's the biggest lesson you've learned? Well, I mean, I'm learning about how to run a small business. I didn't go to business school. I'm a, a clinical psychologist. So that's something that's been challenging and exciting at the same time. And I've learned a lot about the print industry, a ton about marketing, all of these things, things that sure, first I was like, I think I'm just going to make a planner. And then (laughs) I realized, oh, there's a lot that goes into this. There really is. So you're um, a child psychologist? A child and family, but I've done individual with adults as well. So kind of across the board for all sorts of needs like depression, anxiety, those things that a lot of us deal with. So is quilting an outlet for you or were you always creative? Well, I've always been creative, but I didn't take up quilting until um, my third daughter 
was born. Um, but I also love knitting and watercolor and pottery wheel throwing um, and a few other things too. So quilting is one of my loves. I think I spend the most time probably quilting um, and knitting. Those are my two big ones. Fantastic. How many children do you have? I have four. I have 11-year-old twins and eight and five. How do you balance your projects? So I know part of creating the Quilters Planner, what it has to have been that to create, to keep track of all of your, your quilting projects and miscellaneous projects that you also work on. How do you balance that with being a mom and being a doctor as well? Well, I'm not practicing right now, so that helps that I, I'm not, I don't have a clinical practice right now. My full-time job is the quilter's planner, um, and we're also starting a knitter's planner this year. But the whole reason I need the paper planner is because every day you're faced with choices of what you're going to do. There's more things to do than we all have time to do. It's just making choices. So that's how I use it. I just kind of carefully make choices about today. I'm going to make sure that I have 30 minutes to do something creative. And so I'll schedule that time for myself and really push myself to do it and, and to stick to that schedule. Um, but some people who buy the quilter's planner don't use it for that purpose. They're not quite as time broke. And time broke is my mm-hmm. issue. I'm time But not everybody has that problem. Some people um, use it because they like to keep a record of what they create. And it's almost like a scrapbook or a picture in time of their life, um, which is a whole other way of using it, a whole other reason to use it. I think that's my biggest issue. My biggest issue is that I am so busy with work and um, contrary to popular belief, when you're working for a quilting magazine, you don't sit around and sew all day. And so that's been my biggest challenge. So part of my resolution this year was to actually make more time to be creative for myself just to sort of recharge those batteries. And as I, since I moved last year, um, I've been resetting my whole sewing area. I went from having a big studio to having a corner of my living room. And that's a huge change for me. Uh, But the one positive thing has been that I've been able to look over all of my stash and all of the things I've collected and patterns that are sitting there waiting to be done and to organize them more. And I think having a planner where I can write things down and write down exactly where I am in the process for each project is huge for me. I'm and- glad to- that. I agree. I agree. I think sometimes when you're forced to make hard choices or when you force yourself to make hard choices, you become that much more committed to what you really want to do and what really fills you with joy and makes you happy. So I, it sounds like you came about it in a roundabout way by taking the new job and making a move, but it brings you to the same place. You had to make hard choices with how you're going to spend your time. It's great. Completely. I had to, you know, sort of thin out my collection of fabrics and things. And um, it made it easier to look at what I had and decide, do I really want to spend my time on that project that has been sitting there collecting dust for years? Or do I want to start something new? Or do I or is that one almost done? (laughs) So it was kind of looking at the whole the whole piece. You know, when you are sewing, do you have a certain time of day 
that you work? I guess I would say that I like working best either in the morning when I'm kind of freshest or at night after I actually have nobody distracting me. Those are my two times that are my favorite times for some reason to sew. But I've been known to squeeze it in wherever I can, (laughs) wherever I can. And take-along projects are great, and I rely a lot on smaller projects and things that I can take along with me to do. Do you have a system for um, take-along projects? Well, I keep, I like to use like um, clear plastic containers where I keep things stored Mm -hmm. if I'm not working on them. And then I just have an assortment of a few different bags that I keep projects in that I bring along, depending on my mood. I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but... A lot. The reason that I'm a person that needs to work on more things, more than just one thing at a time, is that I depends on my mood, what I feel like working on. I know there are lots of people out there that are like one thing, finish it, and I have so much respect for that. And it doesn't fit my personality, so it does make <laughs> it mean that I have a more to keep track of. You know, <laughs> mm. uh, when I started quilting, um, I used to start a project and finish it, and now. You know, I think as you're, as you're, you progress as a quilter, and I don't know if this is across the board, because certainly there are people who start a project and finish it, and, and that's how they work. But I find that um, my skills, as they've grown, I've tried cha- more challenging projects, and then maybe I hit a point where I'm stuck, or, um, or something in life happens, and I've stopped a project, and then you know, not necessarily gone back to it um, or maybe hated a technique. Um, but I think that for me is why I've got multiple projects going at all Yeah, times. it makes sense as you add to your kind of quilting toolbox of what you can do, then you have more options to choose from. And you can be like, oh, well, you know, I've got to go sit at the, the uh, car shop today to get my car fixed. I think I'll bring my EPP along where, you know, three years ago, you might not have had that skill. So it makes sense. Very true. just have more more options. And I think EPP is just a continuing to trend. So I think more and more people are using that as their take along project. What do you think? Oh, for sure. It's just convenient. It's really, especially now that we can use a glue stick and we don't even, <laughs> I mean, it's like, is that cheating? No, it's just fantastic. You know, <laughs> it completely so, is. I know. It's wonderful. Thank goodness. I, I love know. it. I know. I, I, you know, it's funny because I've got multiple hexagons in various states and I've never finished a whole hexagon quilt, but it sure That's would be okay. nice. But I but love the gluing process. part. <laughs> I know. It's process. I love the process too. And my, my good friend, Kitty Wilkin from Night Quilter, she mm-hmm. works with me on the Quilters Planner and she is an EPP master. So she's taught me a lot. She's like, I will never be as good at fussy cutting as she is for EPP, but I love love the fussy cutting. I know. I I follow like all the hashtags on Instagram because they're just fabulous. It can take it to a new level. It really can. So it's nice to do that fussy cutting at home and then you can take it along with you once it's cut, you know, it's easier that way. It's so much easier that way. So do you actually cut all of your shapes to the actual shape or do you use like squares? Because I've seen some people using just squares. I've done both. I usually, I've done both depending on how lazy I am at the moment. (laughs) 
better for me when I cut it to the actual shape. It really does. But oh, I agree. I've been a, and sometimes I have my kids help me and they they turn out all wonky and we just get it glued on there somehow. It works. <laughs> I <laughs> little love that. It works. What a great idea for involving your kids. You know, I think yeah. I've, I've done a lot of work with, with sewing with kids over the years and I find they just want to be fondling the fabric and sort of having that. That's enough of a creative outlet for them. Yeah, and they do love a glue stick, so they can definitely do that. <laughs> they do love a That is so true. So one last thing. Do you have – did you make any resolutions? Are you a quilter that makes resolutions or chooses a word for the year? I, I've done both. This year I did not choose a word, but this year my resolution has been similar to what you did. I decided that I'm going to kind of clean out and call my sewing room. Because I found that the more cluttered it gets, the less I want to go in there and the more stressed I feel being in the space. So cleaning out the space has been a really big thing for me this year and trying to find, you know, new organizational methods. And so that's been my goal. So I'm making progress. It's, and I, you know what I've discovered? I'm sure a lot of people have figured this out, but it's not something that you just do and then you can stop. It's a constant process to keep that space cleaned out, you know, and continue to look at what you have and consider it. I agree. Um, I think part of my whole journey this year in in moving and, and starting that whole thing, I realized that previously when um, my room was not settled, uh, we had moved and we were in, we rented a house for two years and I never got everything into place the way I wanted it to. And I was not as productive as I should have been. Yeah. It's really important to have things so there's a flow and so you can easily sit in that space and not be distracted by too many things. You know, as quilters, I think we're very distracted by visual stimulation, <laughs> which makes sense. I agree. love the pretty fabrics. Yeah. So I think I've got to keep it kind of clean and pared down for myself so I can focus on what I need to do at that time. That's great. Very true. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun to chat with you. It was great chatting with you, too. I hope you have a great day, and, uh, and we will talk again soon. I'll see you online, okay? Uh, definitely. Bye. So everyone organizes their lives in different ways, and we could argue that making a quilty resolution is one way of doing that. Uh, some quilters assign themselves annual challenges, and Vivica Hansen Denegri is one of those quilters. Correct? That's right. Okay. That's right. So she's with us today to tell us a little more about that and to talk about the 100 Days Project that was featured at the 2019 QuiltCon show that just took place. That's right. QuiltCon this year, it's the sixth year that it's been um, produced by the Modern Quilt Guild. One of the special exhibits that they had was the 100 Day Project, which is just a really, really special project that's done by artists from all over the world, not just by quilters. And so this is actually organized online, um, and it's, it's a very interesting way to meet your resolutions when you make a resolution. So um, I've done projects sort of similar to this where I had an artistic goal, and I said, you know, I'm going to do something every day for a month, and I'll spend an hour doing it. I'll only use my stash. Um, I'll make a blog post about it. I'll write about it. I'll talk about it. But... Um, these people do it for 100 days. So for me, it was really hard to do it for 30. I can't even imagine doing it for 100. So at QuiltCon, the 
Um, the sort of interesting thing about this is that there were four different quilters that were featured. And those were Daisy Ashahaug, who's an American living in Norway, Debbie Grifka, who's from Michigan, I believe, Kristen Axtman, who's from Brooklyn, Michelle Wilkie, and I'm not sure where she's from. It's actually five people. And then Kitty Wilkin from Maine. And they each made different resolutions, basically, or um, they each approached the project in a different way. So, Carrie, have you ever done anything like this in your quilting practice? I haven't done anything repetitive like that, no. Nothing um, Nothing that I would expect to do on a regular basis. And I think it's, again kind of like the resolution thing the reason I don't do it is because I feel like I can't meet expectations set like that because I can barely get to work every day (laughs) so you got dressed this morning yeah right I I have to make it through like the you know the two-year-old getting up seven times a night and um so I I would love to and I I plan on doing so many things all the time and it's like oh I so want to do that and this 100 days project sounds mm-hmm. pretty awesome actually. So so how it's organized though is that the person who organizes it posts the challenge and it's uh it's posted as hashtag #100dayproject so 100day project and each person decides what they want their project to be. So you could be a musician and say, I want to learn how to do scales. Or you could be a potter and say, I want to learn how to pull the perfect handle or make the perfect bowl. And as a quilter, all five of these women decided on different things to focus on for their 100 days. Um, And when you do this, you basically make an announcement, you do the daily practice, you document it with photos, blog posts and um, social media posts. You reinforce it by commenting on other people's posts and by responding back to the comments that you get on your own. And you make that commitment to do it for 100 days. So you could make a big commitment and say, I want to make, you know, a huge quilt out of this whole thing. And I want to make quilt blocks, etc. Or you can make a tiny commitment and say, I want to spend five minutes a day learning how to for instance, learning EQ7 or EQ8. So every person's commitment is different. And what I found so fascinating about the display at QuiltCon, the special exhibit display, is the breadth and depth of what these people learned, not only about quilting, they're all very experienced in their craft, but also how they honed their craft and really came up with a very, very interesting body of work that was very cohesive because it was all done with the same theme. So for instance, I know Stephanie Palmer um, discusses that she works quite frequently with Kitty Wilkin. And when I tell you that Kitty Wilkin's a hundred day project was to create a one and a half inch block every day for a hundred days. We're that all sounds laugh. like we're all laughing. It's so small <laughs> that it's huge. You can't imagine the beauty and the exquisiteness of these blocks, though. So she she not only made she not only made these blocks, but they were they are all different. They're made with fussy cut fabrics in some cases, but mostly solids. And they are all photographed so exquisitely and documented on Instagram. 
that uh, they're just tremendous. So teeny, teeny, tiny mm. paper piece blocks, some with like 15, 16 pieces of fabric in them. Perfect, of course, all <laughs> photographed gorgeously. But, you know, what did she learn from it? She learned that she's that, amazing, apparently. <laughs> yes. She's a wizard. <laughs> but, you know, she was inspired she was inspired by Sean Kimber, who works small, and Sean just challenged her. She said, you need to find out how small is too small, or how small is the absolute smallest you can get. And the quilt that she made with her 100 blocks is basically 11 inches square, because I think she had a little extra fabric on the sides. In 100 days, she made a tiny little quilt that's exquisite, and each individual piece <laughs> is exquisite. Um, and if, if you looked at Kristen Axtman, she, she is very bohemian in what she does in many ways. She took um, Japanese fabrics and she did mending exercises and um, applique exercises and printing exercises all within a three or a four inch um, wooden hoop and created a hundred compositions in a three or four inch hoop. And those were displayed at QuiltCon. Daisy Asherhaugs was entirely different than the others. She wanted to um, learn and really understand doing bajagi, which is a Korean type of um, piecing. Mm -hmm. It's all done by hand generally. And Daisy's large quilts are made mostly with curved piecing. She does a lot with the drunkard's path. And she, you know, manipulates it in really exquisite ways. But her 100 Days project was to make 100... Um, of these pieces and she had to figure out how to do curved piecing with bajagi which is basically making a flat felt seam so if you're into without a pucker exactly <laughs> so she's making a flat felt seam without a pucker and all of her pieces were approximately I'd say either four inches or six inches they weren't too terribly tiny but she had to work on that every single day there's a lot of head shaking I know. On this side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but just think about what you can do and what you can change and how you can grow if you apply yourself. Yeah. And I think that's really the whole the whole point of this. It's to make a commitment, make small steps every day and see how that can actually affect your um your artwork. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about myself, I'm totally a short attention span crafter. I go, for, I flit from one little flower to the next. If I were a butterfly, I'd be very happy. Just go from <laughs> one thing to the next. But what could I do if I really, really focused and set aside that very short period of time, whether it's 10 minutes to half an hour a day, and make something exquisite from it. Mm -hmm. And that's something I just totally admire from what these people did. And if you go on Instagram and just take a look at the hashtag 100 Day Project, you'll see it in music, dance. People have done it with drawing, with creating collages. It's, it's not just quilting. Yeah. But it's a, it's a real movement. See, and it's so interesting because when you hear 100 Days Project, uh, you know, a feature at QuiltCon, I think of standardized projects like here are your guidelines this is the project mm -hmm. you need to do for 100 days and then we're going to display everyone's projects so to me it wasn't an individual 100 days of project it was more mm -hmm. a standardized and that's the impression I was getting so now that you've explained it a little further it almost sounds like a short-term commitment resolution where I can handle 
maybe 100 days of something as opposed to 365. <laughs> and if it's, you know, like a concept rather than, you know, an actual, I guess they're all kind of conceptual, but I do like this, um, this tiny thing. I'm picturing like using tweezers <laughs> to hold my fabric in place as I use a tiny needle. I think needle. she used some glue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, that's just one of the great things to work at QuiltCon. It was just such a great show and a really interesting place to be around people with, you know, really a love for modern quilting and just a joy to all be together and, and seeing what each other does and supporting each other in that community. Well, you've provided us with quite a few images on the Quilting Company website of um, your time spent there, and it's awesome. They're gorgeous photos, and there are some great, the um, Best in Show. Yes, that was interesting this year. Yeah. Because we always think of Best in Show as being someone's uh, magnum opus, you know, their masterpiece, and it Mm -hmm. has been every year. And this year, it's just such an interesting thing that it went to a group. And the group was certainly headed by someone who organized the project, um, Leanne Kahali, and I'm probably pronouncing her name incorrectly, but she organized it. It was an international group, and she, I believe, um, dictated the color palette and said, let's make improv blocks, and she gathered them all together, and it's just such a joyful quilt. It's very, very pretty, absolutely beautiful, and really did stand out in the crowd as something very different than a lot Mm -hmm. of other things that were there. Yeah, the story behind it and the quilt itself, both very spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a couple minutes left, and I want to hear what your your last resolution was that you made. Oh, my resolution? Yes. Okay, so I did have several. I made. Um, I do make resolutions every year because I do think it's important to um, vocalize and verbalize, or else I'll never meet a goal if I don't say what that goal is. So my first one has nothing to do with quilting, and that was to exercise four or five days a week. It took me one week. I already broke it. But, (laughs) you know, so that one is not really quilting. But it's also related to quilting in the fact that I think if you keep your body healthy, then you can do all these other things, too. Mm -hmm. So my big quilting resolution is that I really want to um, have a quilt in a quilt show and like a big quilt show. So I have certainly earned the use, the right to use the hashtag QuiltConReject, but I would really love to be able to use the hashtag like <laughs> I'm in QuiltCon. Um, so I would like to do that. And I have a few ideas, but I haven't started that quilt yet. <laughs> and then the other thing is to um, not be intimidated. And that's one that I use every year. I, it drives me crazy when I hear that people are afraid to try a technique or afraid of a kind of quilt block or afraid of curved piecing. So I'm not going to be intimidated by curved piecing. And while at QuiltCon, I did take a class with Jen Carlton Bailey, and it was on curved piecing and making the Drunkard's Path block. And you all will be happy to know that she did use glue. She did not use pins. And so I feel like the glue master now. I feel like the glue master. But we'll see, you know, at the end of the year, if I can say that I actually met any of my goals. Well, you could do it like I do it, where you're not intimidated by anything. You just do it in the shameful privacy of your basement and don't show anyone. (laughs) (laughs) But we want to see what you make, Carrie. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, it was great talking to you, Vivica. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to talk to you, too. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 
Well, that was a great conversation with Vivica. It was. It really was. Being an art and modern quilt lover as she is, um, she has some interesting tidbits about pressing. And that leads me into our next conversation about, um, well, we're calling it Pressing Matters. So that comes down to kind of a um, sharks and jets situation in the quilting mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you press? So, Lori, take us away. So first we have to say, do you press? Mm. Then how do you press? Do you press to the dark? Do you press to the light? Do you press your seams open? <gasps> Open. Now, the <laughs> traditional quilters among us say open. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vivica says open. Yeah. And <laughs> modern quilters are, are really much more likely to press open because they feel like they get a flatter surface. Mm-hmm. Now, for myself, I'm old. <laughs> I'm traditional. I press to the dark unless I need to do something else so I can get my seams to nest. Mm -hmm. Tracy, how about you? Oh, I'm kind of a Star Wars quilter, so I press to the dark side as well. (laughs) 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 Um, But see, I I started quilting in the 90s, and that's what you did. So to me, um, when I'm quilting, I like to nest my seams, so that's... That's what I do. Um, however, I just recently got um, a product from Clover, which is a pressing bar that's kind of rubbery or silicone. And I was told that I could press my seams open on that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't tried it yet, but I'm planning to. It's like those felt bar or the wool. Exactly. Felted wool right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think in certain techniques, it's it's perfect. It's mm-hmm. a great way to do things. But I really, really like for my backs to look perfect, <laughs> like the front. And so they all need to be going in the right direction. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? Um, I also nest. I'm a big nester. I'm a fan of nesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do the nesting seams as often as I can. But I'm also traditionally minded because this is where I work. This is how I learn. Mm, sure. I learned, you know, from Lori, I learned from Tracy, I learned from all of you guys. So I am also old quilter. No, no. I'm also a 90s quilter. I don't know. But <laughs> I've adopted all of your your reasons for nesting. But, yeah, I do. I, I press to the dark. I do, I do it all. But when I get ready to piece my back to put it on the long arm machine – I do a one-inch seam down the middle, and I press it open. Because Gasp. Yes. Can you believe it? Because um, there's less bunching when you quilt it. And having learned that modern quilters and art quilters press open, I w- wasn't aware of this until months ago. And now I'm intrigued, and I think I might try it. There are a couple of things that that you might want to think about, too. And one is that the way that you press your seams gives dimension. Mm -hmm. Mm, So if you are appliquing something, 
you probably want to press your seams toward the applique because it makes the applique appear to be slightly higher than the background. You wouldn't think it would make a difference, but it does. That's a great point. Vivica pointed out that that she was taking a class from Jen Carlton Bailey, and Jen does that with her drunkard's path to give it a little more dimension. A little pop. Yep. Yeah, and she mentioned that it makes the background recede. Right. And the mm-hmm. the circle pop up. Pop up. Come and, forward. Or it could do the opposite. Correct. Interesting. I had never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. it. It just never occurred to me to take advantage of that. But yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what I am going to do no matter how I press my seams. I'm going to use starch like you've never seen. I starch like crazy. I just, I want it to be as Colleen Tauke always thought it should be like paper. Mm. I just do. And you should see my ironing board because it's like totally disgusting. I had to wash my ironing board cover just this week because I also am a really heavy starcher. I make my own starch from the concentrate. I don't buy it in the spray bottles. And I make it extra heavy, and I use a lot. And my ironing board cover was disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Lori, do you put it in a bottle? A a spray spray bottle? bottle? That's Mm -hmm. what I do, too. I learned from Erin Resick, who's the applique queen. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. Um, And she cannot handle, like, odors or scents. And I can't either. I get migraines. And so, Mm -hmm. Stayflow has a unscented um, you know, it has its own scent because it's starch, but you get it concentrated and then you add the tiniest bit of water and there you go. <laughs> now you're ready to, but my, so my ironing board, I have stapled the fabric because my dad came in and just like redid my whole space because he's a construction guy and he made me an ironing board that's flat and long and huge. So it's, you know, you can put your fabric across it and it doesn't, it's not like ironing garments. And we stapled the fabric underneath on the board. So I can't take it off. So I don't know how to clean it. It's like starch Add another layer over the top. That's a good point. Yeah, just put a new layer on top. Yeah. It'd be great. Right. And And for those of you, there might be some of you out there saying concentrated starch? It's mm-hmm. in the laundry section at your supermarket. It comes in half-gallon jugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Stay flow. Yeah. Or online. Or online. Mm-hmm. That's yes. right. It. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, uh, I think we've covered the pressing matters. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, uh, if you want to tell us how you press your fabrics and your quilts and your quilt tops, then go to quiltingcompany.com slash podcast and fill us in. Yeah, I'd love to know. Wouldn't it be fun? Yeah. Yes. Get a little poll going. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Tracy. And thank you, Lori, for coming in today and having a chat. It's always fun. Thanks, ladies. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today by visiting our show notes page at quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. 
The Quilting Committee podcast is a production of F&W Media Studios. Our editorial director is Trisha Patterson. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle. Our audio engineer and editor is Evan Rutherford. And our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.